This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. And welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 186 in the den here in the first week of November. Nick Max and Noah Grant, as always, joining you. And Nick, obviously, an interesting weekend. We hyped up one team entering up the weekend. We didn't really hype up another. Opposite results for those squads, respectively. But still, actually, I would say probably four very good performances that we're going to break down this weekend. You were in the building for at least half of the weekend, if not more, Nick. And a lot of really great hockey in the Granite City. I always love those double headers when the men's and women's team are able to play back to back like that. It, it, it makes for a really makes for a long weekend, but it makes for a really good weekend of hockey. Yeah. You mentioned the word long weekend. Yes. Um, Friday was a very long day getting to call the women's game. Um, and like you said, we'll, we'll obviously break down the games more specific, but I feel like despite what the win loss column shows, I actually feel like this team actually hung in and not only just hung by a thread, I actually felt like they battled Wisconsin pretty good um, on both games. So uh, yeah, very long day on Friday, but uh, as you mentioned, it's always good when you're covering college hockey to have, you know, these 10 hour days um, and getting back into the, the twin cities, not until almost 1130, at night. So good weekend of hockey. And I think Huskies fans feeling pretty good about uh, their performances this past weekend. Yeah, certainly would agree. For me, the long day was yesterday, Saturday night. A daylight savings time does not stop for night shift workers. In fact, it adds to the funds. So, um, And then theoretically, I've gotten up at 5 in the morning if you want to be technical. So do I sound tired? Probably, but it's fine. Um, a great weekend of hockey and obviously a lot of things to discuss too. So a lot of really good stuff to look up as we get ready for the show this week. And as always, we start with Center Ice View News and Notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the Soda Pot. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 186. Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the den. And Nick, uh, we start on the women's side like we normally do. The Huskies do drop in the WCHA standings, albeit to a very good opponent who has yet to lose a game and only give up 
eight goals total in conference play. So, I mean, I, I mean, a very challenging opponent. Still 500 in conference play, 571 to be technical. 12 points puts them in fifth place right now. They are four points shy of Minnesota and six points shy of Duluth. And then Wisconsin and Ohio State are pretty much running away with everything at this point already early on in the season. Huskies in yep. Minnesota in four and five respectively have one less game played than the top three teams. So St. Cloud moving to nine and four on the season, four and three in conference play. Uh, Nick, I, I guess before we get to them, though, other scores in the WCHA like we always do, it was uh, the Gophers 2 on Saturday, Mankato 1. This one was in Mankato. That was a tight hockey game. This Gophers team only winning 3-1 on Friday. I, I, again, Mankato, kind of an interesting story. The Huskies played them, you know, uniquely, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. But this Minnesota team, I don't know if there's – Kind of some up and down. We talk, we've we been talking about them for a couple of weeks now, but they're still a group to keep an eye on because they've been a bit of a wild card as far as what we're getting out of them. Same story a little bit with Duluth. They win 3-1 to one on Friday night as well. And then Saturday, they come back with a 4 nothing victory, a bit of a stronger showing. And then Ohio State 9-1 on Friday and 5 nothing on Saturday. Bemidji State just didn't have the firepower to match uh, any of any of what Ohio state had to offer, unfortunately, but this Gophers team still an interesting case. This Duluth team, not exactly running away with things similar to where they were last year. I definitely think three, four, five in the WCHA is going to be an interesting mix. And if you want to throw Mankato in for a good second half push at number six, I don't think it's out of the question either. No, it's not. And, um, you know, we say this oftentimes throughout you know, this time of year, Noah, it's, it's early, right? Now, granted, you know, the, shall we say the the usual suspects, your Wisconsin's, your Ohio States, you know, the ones that we expect to sort of be ready at the start of the season, they're performing like we expect. But as we talked about in the preseason, Noah, we had a feeling that the three, four, five, maybe six, right? There was a potential to have some shuffling there. And uh, early indications would say, yeah, you know, there's no, you know, maybe those bottom two and the top four are still sort of up for grabs, right? Um, no, granted, it's going to take teams like Minnesota State, St. Cloud, to steal a couple from the Bulldogs directly Saint, and from St. Thomas, St. Thomas, maybe too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I put them up in the same category, but potentially right um but like you said you know it's it, it's early but also you know hey watch out you know you know these the top four that maybe a couple of years ago which really separated themselves early not the same storyline so far this season but yet still a lot of hockey to play yeah certainly would agree attendance on friday for the huskies they fall four to two to the badgers attendance of 201 again you know how i feel about that should have been a lot higher but anyhow i digress no scoring in period number three identical scores in periods one and two two one wisconsin came out of both periods with the edge shots 10-4 in favor of the badgers in the first period actually the huskies outshoot wisconsin in the final two periods nine six and nine seven for a 23 22 edge heading to wisconsin who was two for three on the power play, probably the difference maker in that first game. Huskies miss on their only power play opportunity of their own. Uh, both of Wisconsin's power play goals came in the first period, actually with under five minutes left to play in the opening frame. Uh, they take a 2-1 lead into the first period after Svenja Vogt ended up 
or excuse me, opened up the scoring with her first of the season from Ella Onik and Maddie Peterson at the 945 mark about halfway through the first period. And then the Huskies get one right back at the 726 mark. Um, Alice Surreal from Avery Myers and Katie Kaufman had the Huskies deadlocked at two before uh, a goal basically about a minute later and then give or take uh, about five or six minutes later had Wisconsin up four to two. And that was kind of all she wrote. Um, again, mm-hmm. as we talked about Sonia Hola somehow is human now um, allowing uh, four goals, 19 saves for her uh, on the total aggregate. But of course the Badgers, a very good hockey team uh, face off wise. St. Cloud actually had the edge in this one. They were 30 for 52, which is something yeah. um, really notable. I think in this first contest, but Nick, you were on the microphone for this one. Um, again, I think we're going to talk about this with this women's team, both of these scores four two, and then five, two on Saturday, bit misleading as to how well this Huskies team played. And I know we talked about last weekend, if they don't get a point out of the weekend, it's going to be disappointing. And, and I would still agree that maybe one of these, probably they could have pushed to overtime, but I still think it was a really great showing. Their process was great. Their fundamentals were great. They just played a Wisconsin team that, to be fair, could be one of, if not the top teams in the country. They're just a, they're a great opponent. They are the top team in the country. Number one, uh, number two, um, despite the fact that you know, and like I said, there's there's moral victories and there's not right. Um, talking to Brian Idolsky before the weekend, he actually said that he wasn't actually very impressed with the team's defensive structure coming into this weekend honestly um and despite the fact that even you know they sweep mankato he said there's a lot of things we got to clean up um both games were 2-2 at one point uh huskies were counter punching there was uh trips up the ice between both teams but that third goal for wisconsin 52 seconds after the huskies tied it from the stick of surreal they Put it this way, Sonny Hola got no chance on that goal. For those who maybe have missed it, essentially a puck comes around the back of the Huskies net. There was a bad turnover. Huskies kind of over-pursued on the near side wall. And when you get Wisconsin a turnover like that, let's just say they they don't miss, right? They make teams pay for it. So um, I, I mentioned this, Noah, because I really felt like if there was one game where they think they probably left points on the table, that was that game on Friday. Um, I really felt like, again, you mentioned the face-off dots. They had noticeably been keeping up and won the face-off battle, right? Um, five on five, I actually thought that they were arguably at times the better team. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the Huskies of old where they were caught in their own zone two, three minutes at a time. There were times they were hemmed in, but, you know, it wasn't like, you know, on the edge of your seat, tense, you know, just get the puck yeah. type of thing, right? So, you know, as we came into this weekend, we asked ourselves, this is the measuring stick, right? I really do feel like St. Cloud has to come out with this weekend, head held high, but also maybe, like you said, that they probably could have gotten points out of the weekend. Um, well, you... Yeah. Well, you mentioned it, though. I mean, you know, they had concerns about their defensive structure entering the weekend, especially special teams. Wisconsin was able to exploit that yeah. in the first night. But I think that says a lot about this coaching staff. I mean, they're not satisfied satisfied with where they're at. And they also feel like, you know, against this Badgers team, against, you know, the top team in the country, they feel like they have more to give. And I think that that's really yeah. promising. Both of these games were tight hockey games. Saturday, same story. Don't let the score fool you at all in this one. Shots 26-23 in favor of Wisconsin. So if you're the Huskies, 
you had a minus four shot differential against the best team in the country this weekend across two games. Just putting that out there. Um, they led, did the Huskies in period number one in shots 15 to eight, came out flying. We're out shot 10-3 in period number two, which could have been partially a difference, although scoring would not suggest that. Um, and then 8-5 for the Badgers in period number three. Huskies once again dominant in the faceoff dot, 31 for uh, 53 uh, over the course of the second night. Uh, both teams getting a power play goal. Wisconsin one for two. Great discipline, I think, otherwise. I mean, you only take five penalties on the weekend, just got to clean up the special teams battle on the ice. Yep. And then St. Cloud one for four on the power play. So one for five across the weekend. Not terrible. It's serviceable. I mean, it's a, it's par for the course as to what you're looking for. Um, Wisconsin did get the scoring started in this one less than four minutes in before Katie Kaufman responded on the power play. Her third of the season, three minutes after that, Clara Hemlerova, Emma Gentry on the assist. Wisconsin takes the lead two minutes into period number two. And with less than a minute to play in the same frame, the Huskies on one of only three shots in the second period, uh, Alice Surreal from Taylor Lynn uh, capped off the Huskies scoring. And then, um, so it's 2-2 again, entering period number three, Nick. Um, and with less than five minutes to play in this one, with uh, 4.45, if my math serves me correct, um, It'd be Casey O'Brien's sixth of the season on the power play for Wisconsin. That was the difference maker and two empty netters to seal this game. I mean, this was, I mean, this was a three to two hockey game in St. Cloud. It was two to two until less than five minutes left in period number three. Again, another game where you talked about, you know, did they leave something on the board? They certainly could have gotten points this weekend. Jojo Choback stops 21 of 24. So, um, Nick, a, a kind of close but no cigar, so to speak, and I, I would imagine um, attendance of 243 on the second night, by the way, but I would imagine that Wisconsin is now on high alert a little bit. You know, they've probably seen the scores a little bit, seen St. Cloud starting to kind of climb up and show their medal. I think it's it's maybe a similar conversation that we had a couple of years ago to Duluth where it was, okay, this team's had a couple of good weekends. Oh, okay, this team, this team can play. And I, I definitely think that Wisconsin will be on notice. Game plan might look a little bit different the second time, but I think this is this is no longer going to be a matchup where if the Huskies get a point, it's it's miraculous. It's it's well with well within the reach of of this yeah. team. So overall, I would say a good weekend. Uh, just unfortunate from a points column perspective. It is, and you know you you take away the power play goals. Technically speaking, St. Cloud was a just a dash one at even strength for you know the even strength goals, right? Let's just say that numbers in the past they have been, uh, shall we say, not very close, right? Um, and it's funny you mentioned you know uh, you know Wisconsin taking notice, right? Brian Idolsky was very candid when we talked to him on Thursday, and uh, he specifically mentioned the Gophers series, those two those two Tuesday games, right? And he goes back to the game that the Huskies won. And he, he simply said, you know what? I don't think we got the best of the Gophers on that night because he then goes, the next time we faced them, we got, you know, our doors blown off essentially. Right. And he goes, you know, I'm not sure we have earned the respect amongst the league just yet. However, I would imagine that after a weekend like this, not only does Wisconsin take notice, I would think the rest of college hockey takes notice, right? Because again, it's not like, you know, you were suffocated, you battled back, scores were even in both games, 
And Wisconsin, unfortunately, with their power play, which is taking over 41% entering this weekend, um, that number is going to somehow go up after this weekend. Um, you know, when you give them those opportunities with an extra man, extra space, uh, they take advantage of it, right? That's the difference is the special teams in this weekend. And for a Huskies fan, for the Huskies players, I think you have to be, you know, look at that in a positive light, right? Even strength is where usually Wisconsin runs their magic. Um, and St. Cloud didn't really give them much. Yep, there were some chances here and there. But I think overall to feel pretty good, you'll probably go back on tape and, you know, look at that one turnover on Friday. You'll look at the penalty kill. Um, not to take anything from Wisconsin, right? Because their hockey IQ, their skill, you know, it's it's at a different level. I'll be, you know, I think they would be honest to say that's the same thing too. But you gave them a run for your money and uh, you made it a very competitive series. And it, you're going to learn something for the next series because unfortunately for everybody in this conference, it does get any easier any other weekend. Absolutely would agree. Entering the weekend, the Huskies, according to the national poll, were sitting at number 11. After the weekend, they sit in the same spot in the pairwise right now, according to the women's side. So things to keep, yep. in, keep in mind. I mean, you're right along the cutoff for the national tournament right there. I mean, St. Cloud, again have to see what the rest of the season kind of unfolds here, but it's been a very good start for St. Cloud. Um, 36 goals for 17 goals against for them. And in conference play, a plus four goal differential, 18 to 14 still after the weekend uh, and letting two empty netters get by them. So, I mean, uh, if you want to be technical, their overall record just under 700 and their conference record, like we talked about a 571. Uh, they of course get ready Um I believe, yes, they have a week off uh, actually this yep. week. And then they play St. Thomas, followed by Ohio State, um, Minnesota, and then Duluth. That's not Minnesota Duluth. That's Minnesota for a single game. And then Duluth to cap off the first half of their regular season. So, um, and again, it's a, it's a schedule that actually has uh, the St. Thomas weekend is home and home. So um, one, two three, four, four games uh, out of their final grouping that will be at home. So potential home ice advantage, we'll have to see. Um, Stats-wise here for this group, again, like you mentioned, Nick, uh, you talked about the conversion percentage. Um, power play-wise here, they've 10 goals on 51 power play opportunities, just under 20%. Penalty kill um, suffered a little bit this weekend, but still yeah. sitting in the mid-80s very well. I mean, it's like 80, 86.4, something like that. So, um very good as far as that is concerned. This St. Cloud team, um, you know, even after the weekend, their goals against per game is 1.3 right now, which is, I mean, that'll that'll buff on any day of the week <laughs> in no. the aggregate. In the aggregate, to be honest with you, Clara Hamlerova still paces the team. 12 points for her uh, on the season. Not exactly a ton of change in point spreads, just because of the low scoring games uh, between both clubs. But uh, Nick, uh, obviously, they have a week off. Um, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, as we'll allude to in just a few moments, was seemingly a great thing on the men's side here early on. Mm -hmm. uh, for this women's team that has had a lot of momentum, a lot of traction, uh, still some things to clean up because you can always be better, especially against the number one team in the country. Uh, what do you think is going through Brian Idolsky and company's minds as they get ready for a week off. Obviously it's easy as a player to kind of maybe take your foot off the gas pedal, relax a little bit. And I think they're going to want some of that. They're going to want a little bit of that breather, but they don't want to get too lax. What do you think is the overall message and plan as we go through the next two weeks? Well, speaking with Adalski again beforehand, you know, coming into the weekend again, he felt like 
they were just starting to get back to their defensive identity. And I would think, and, you know, not trying to speak for him, but I would think that based on how close the series was, I don't, I would think he's actually probably a little disappointed, honestly, um, only because again, your special teams, uh, you know, for Wisconsin, you keep them out, you know, off the board on the power play. You may, you know, sneak away with one win, maybe two even. So I think your defensive structure, your puck management, he mentioned that also to us on Thursday was just making smart plays with the puck. And I felt like for the most part, they did that. And again, this is, you know, more of a testament to Wisconsin, right? They're a team that feasts on other teams' mistakes and rarely do they let you get away with it. Um, So I think this week off, you know, Usually when you're playing well, you want to keep playing, right? You want to keep the engines turning. But I do think Brian Idolsky would like probably a week to reset and maybe, you know, look at some film, look at what they did well, but more importantly, look at the defensive structure and more so the penalty kill and how they can clean things up. Again, that, you know, we're not seeing the shot blocking prowess like we did last year. Um, that was uh, on the fourth goal by Wisconsin. Sonny Ohola never saw it. It was a, a floater from the point. So, you know, trying to box out a little bit, making sure your goaltender sees it type thing. So small details. Um, but overall, again, you know, you lose two games, but, you know, you were at a point a stone's throw away from winning one, if not both games, um, had you maybe had two or three minutes where you didn't have a bad puck turnover or maybe, you know, unfortunately killed off a penalty. So disappointed more in the sense that they could have gotten points and there's still some things to clean up. Well, and that's kind of why we talked about it last week is this team, both of these games had a potential to go the other direction. You're one bounce away from taking both in regulation against this Badgers team. It would have been a tough task, but we've talked about games before where Wisconsin, you know, has gotten out of there, maybe sometimes in overtime with a one goal spread. Um, But it was never like this. It was always shots 40 to 12 in favor of Wisconsin. Uh, The Huskies were lucky to win a face off a period kind of thing right now. Now that's not the case. Now it's a back and forth battle where even though you looked at the at the scoring spread this was a case of late empty net scoring or a quick tally late in the hockey game that opened up the scoring just slightly both of these games were in my mind and nick i think you would agree essentially one goal contest for the majority of both hockey games to say that against a team that again has a chance to win back-to-back national championships i you know there's something to be said there for this saint cloud group it's a great starting point and to be honest nick it's not the right time to sweep this team i know that sounds stupid but it's almost better that the huskies played them close played them close wow played them close and didn't end up winning either hockey game because it leaves a sour taste in your mouth you've got a week and a half to think about it essentially i would imagine tail end of the first week of practice will probably be a pretty hard practice maybe on thursday or friday they'll kind of simulate game speed just a little bit let the players rest come back for some intermediate level practices early in the week and then of course game day weeks uh, as they roll along where things get a little more systems based and not too uh, physically taxing but you know it probably leaves a fire in your belly it's we could have gotten one we could have gotten both against this team we still have things to clean up and be better and this is where this saint cloud group is going from how do we survive to how do we thrive how do we become the team that controls possession controls the attack how do we not survive against the top teams but how do we take control how do we mix with the big dogs essentially you know how do we belong and blend in and this is where teams learn how again not just to make it through hockey games but to be the better team and to learn what winning and playing good teams 
feels like where they're in the hockey game for the majority of the hockey game. And that's what the St. Cloud team is learning is we've had little litmus tests down the road. Of course, I think that Minnesota game was a great example on that Tuesday, probably the best one that they've had. They played them close as well, too. St. Cloud is right on the cusp, and it's almost like, as I always love to use the analogy, it's it's almost like a fat guy on a treadmill running towards the Twinkie, right? You're so close to getting the you're so close to getting what you want, and you're just not quite there. And I think St. Cloud is right on the cusp, and the losses only fuel the fire and we've talked about it so much you need to be playing your best hockey at the right time if this women's team if this is if this is their worst hockey quote unquote right here at the start of november i would say this weekend was probably a pretty good building point for the squad and i think that's you know how you have to look at this if you're um, the coaching staff the players right is this was your measuring stick for where you're at and even idolski said you know we're gonna learn you know what how much more work we got to do after this weekend. I think he would be pleased overall, but now more so I think he can focus on a couple of things to really hone in what this team needs to improve on um, while also taking some positives because there were definitely positives in this weekend, Noah. But as you as you mentioned, they're going to have a sour taste in their mouth. Uh, they're going to be hungry for the next time that they play Wisconsin, but more so they're going to want to prove that, you know, after a week off and then, as you mentioned, they play St. Thomas, that this was not a fluke, that this is the yeah. real St. Cloud State Husky team and they can you know, feel confident that they can, you know, not only do battle with any team in the league, but they can go out and potentially win, you know, any night. So um, overall, like you said, good weekend. Um, We would love to see the wins, but again, some things to work on and the list probably more focused, but definitely not as long as we've seen in past years. Yeah. And got to take care of business in the coming weeks against an opponent like St. Thomas, who you should now, I would say, handle on paper uh you know you have to make sure you don't get away from your game and play down to the level of your opponent on paper at least so um right. it should be an interesting next couple of weeks of course like we said they're off this next week before they face st thomas in two weeks i like that headline huskies are hungry <laughs> mark it down um who would have thunk but uh moving wow. over to the moving over to the men's side uh there was good eaten uh, so to speak, to start some NCHC action, especially on that second night. First score on the first night, I think, was even a little bit misleading because of how good actually the Huskies played. We talked about how they had to respond against the Miami team who hadn't lost since early October. Nick, this was the most complete weekend that this St. Cloud men's team has put together so far this season. It was it was a very good showing. They've moved to 500 overall. Uh, they're four and four on the season. They are one of only two teams in the NCHC after weekend number one that is undefeated in conference play, Denver being the other one. Um, and then Duluth and North Dakota did not play. So early preliminary standings, if you will. Denver followed by St. Cloud in one and two respectively, both two and oh. Denver six, one and one overall on the season. Western Michigan sits at third, the sole team to have four points on the year early on in the NCHC. Uh, Omaha has two, so you can imagine they played each other and they had some extra hockey involved there. Uh, And then Colorado College and Miami both swept this weekend by the respective teams that we mentioned. Duluth and North Dakota were wrapped up in some non-conference battles here. So let's get to those. Uh, Starting off on Friday, We'll start non-conference here. It was a, a pair of good games between BU and North Dakota. It was a regulation victory for BU, uh, who was the host team on the first night. 3-2 to two was the score, like I mentioned. And then on the second night, it was an overtime finish. It was 5-4 North Dakota in overtime in that one. So um, 
And then on the other side, it was the big bad Gophers playing Duluth. This one was five to one, not exactly a necessarily close contest, so to speak, on the first night uh, on Friday. And then the second night, we had Duluth uh, playing Minnesota into overtime, 3 3, entering the overtime frame. So, um, and I believe Duluth ended up getting the victory in extra session. Does that sound. Yeah, yep. I say um, I thought I saw that score pop up yesterday. Of course, I was working. Yep. So um, but yeah, a, a bit of a better showing for Duluth on that second night. This Gophers team is not a bad hockey team. They're finding they're trying to find some consistent consistency on the men's side. I also have this feeling that um, there's going to be a lot of parity east west. Um, I think it's going to be kind of a mixed bag because of play styles. Um, as we kind of move through east west, it seems like a lot of teams are. Um, adjusting to the play style of different conferences when they kind of have these interconference matchups. And that's kind of catching some teams out where they're having to adjust night one to night number two. But I also think, I don't know that they're that strong, but I don't think this North Dakota team is necessarily terrible to start the season. And I also think it shows the strength of where the NCHC itself might be related to other teams um, where I don't know if they're better than the big 10 as the argument was last year or if you throw Hockey East or whoever else you want to put in that mix. But it certainly feels like the NCHC is going to be able to kind of, you know, give and take some punches here as we go through the season uh, related to other teams, especially uh, the Gophers. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, UMD, um, you know, you, you kind of wonder, you know, with the results we've seen so far, um, where it came out and was scoring at a torrid pace. Um, also, unfortunately, were giving up just as much as they were putting in. Um, sort of had a course correction this past weekend. Granted, it was against Bemidji State. Um, and then you go and face the Gophers. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you, you felt like, okay, game one. Uh, all right. You know, the Gophers, their skill level, their speed. You know, that's a that's a handful for any team any given night. But then they adjust, right? But then they sort of, you know, like you said, maybe play them a little bit more physically, um, get out of there with a shootout win. So it's good for the Bulldogs, the similar sense we talked about with the women's team, right? Which is, okay, um, this team is good. Uh, we figured maybe some things out with them. Uh, we learned we can hang with them. But now how can we take, you know, maybe what we learned and, you know, how can we slow some of these fast teams down because as you mentioned, uh, both them and North Dakota have yet to play an NCHC game. And, you know, one point that you know, I think everybody knows this, but, you know, despite the Huskies, you know, not ideal starting on conference, these games this weekend are the ones that feel like they're a playoff game, right? These points matter. So just, you know, despite it being Miami or whatnot, those six points mean a ton. And if you're North Dakota slash UMD after this weekend, I think you got to feel pretty decent about going back to conference play and, you know, maybe your own type of litmus test and feeling like you're ready to go back inside the conference and play some really good opponents uh, for pretty much the rest of the way out. Certainly would agree. NCHC action for the other six teams in attendance, so to speak. Uh, that Omaha-Western Michigan series had pretty much everything we expected. Of course, this was a 5-2 score for the Broncos in the first night. Basically 4-2 with an empty netter if you want to be technical about it. And then the second night, uh, Omaha gets one back, albeit in overtime. 3-2 was the score in that one. So four points for Western, two points for Omaha on the weekend. I think the big surprise uh, actually in the NCHC was how outplayed Colorado College looked this weekend. 6-1 six, six in the first night, and then it was 5-1 to one on the second night. I mean, the shot spread in the first night was like a 28-shot 
advantage for Denver. And I know Denver's good. This this Bios team could be a number one seed entering the NCAA tournament. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. Expected a little bit more pushback, I think, from the Tigers uh, to open up NCHC play. They're going to have to have a quick course correction, like you kind of alluded to, uh, in the next week or so. I, I, um, I'm still kind of high on them, but I thought it was a couple of score spreads where, you know, in the past couple of years they've played Denver relatively closer, and both of those games were really kind of uncompetitive for the Tigers. So that'll be an interesting sorting out in the next week. Remember, they're very young on their back end to three freshmen in their top six uh, freshmen that um, as Chris Mayock continues to sort of evolve and, you know, sort of rebrand this CC Tigers hockey team and, you know, the style that they play. Um, the three freshmen defensemen that he brings in um, are more known for their offensive acumen. So you kind of wonder also with it being a pretty big rival, the big stage, you know, you kind of, you know, first NCHC contest, you kind of wonder if it may be worse some deer in headlights, you know, maybe just kind of a big moment thing. Um, I'm not super worried about it, Noah. Um, again, disappointing to say nonetheless, um, but I'm not in com- completely surprised by that outcome just based on, you know, what I feel like their makeup is on paper. And again, this Denver squad, pretty good, right? So, um, and again, it's one weekend, you know, if we see this a second weekend in a row, okay, now we have a trend and this isn't just, you know, the big bad Pios that, you know, are the cream of the crop in the NCHC. Um, this is now not your first conference weekend. So I think they'll bounce back, but again, I'm not super shocked by that, by that outcome. Yeah, the second night was maybe a bit more painful. They give up uh, two power play goals on three opportunities. They outshoot Denver 11-4 in the second period, but mm-hmm. they give up two goals against on four shots, and they're down 3-1 after the second. Shots were 27-21 in the second night. So a much closer spread, all things considered, but the final score was 5-1. to one. Two, two clustered goals in the middle of the second, and the same thing in period number three, and all of a sudden, just like that, a 1-1 hockey game becomes 5-1, and in the span of, uh, you know, 40 minutes and change. So, and sometimes Noah too, you know, it's, you know, we talk a lot sometimes how the scores can be deceiving, right? When you break down the actual game and you go back and you watch it, right? When you're getting, um, shouldn't say getting when you're out shooting your opponent 11 to four right um i think as a coach when you go back on film and you say man we were doing everything but just maybe putting the puck back you know the back of the net or we couldn't get a bounce right um those are more deflated in the player's perspective right because you feel like you're doing the right things you're controlling the play you're driving possession the pucks on your stick you're getting the chances and for whatever reason maybe they run into a hot goaltender um you know puck on a sauce pass cross ice you know hits a rut, hops over your blade, right? Um, it's just those little small things that can be just go against you, right? Some of us would say the hockey gods were just weren't on their side. Maybe that was the case in the second period. Um, something they'll have to look at, right? Because, you know, when you when you look at stats like that, you say, man, they're controlling the freaking game right now, right? Um, but unfortunately, those are the stats that don't matter at the end of the day. It's, you know, it's the goals for and goals against, right? So it's tough for CC. Again, um, young defensive core. Um, again, good first weekend to maybe learn some things, but I think they'll bounce back the next weekend. Certainly would agree. Uh, just glancing quickly at other scores before we get to our Huskies. Also, again, uh, this is from this past weekend. Quinnipiac and Dartmouth went to overtime, 2 2 heading to overtime. The- interesting again <laughs> yep. that was on friday i'm trying to see if anything else kind of stands out unh and providence went to overtime if you're a denver pioneers fan you were watching that somewhat intently 
UMass and Northeastern, they were close on that first night. Michigan State trounced Ohio State this weekend, by the way, and Wisconsin beat Michigan. So, I mean, there was your uh, Big Ten action, the CCHA, Lake Superior beating Bemidji. So that that conference, St. Thomas beat Northern Michigan. I have no idea who's going to a coin, and you probably are more right than anything, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea how that conference is going to shake out. Michigan State came back and beat Ohio State 6-4 in the second night, and then Wisconsin beat Michigan. They actually swept the Wolverines this weekend um, and Penn State and Notre Dame played to a tie I don't know if both of those programs are necessarily as strong as they'd like to be out of the gate just depending on where their non-conference has kind of shook out so um, Lake Superior actually swept Bemidji State this weekend um, and St. Thomas swept Northern Michigan so again you just you don't really know I I don't think kind of with some of these early contests in conference play there's a lot to be sorted out but what we can tell you the St. Cloud State Huskies went undefeated this weekend. Uh, first weekend sweep of the year, if memory serves correct. Yep. Uh, 3,007 was the attendance here on the Friday night. Huskies improved to 3-4 and four after this game. They win 3-2 to two on the scoreboard. Could have been a lot more, I think, is uh, the first game that we could safely say that the Huskies could have, you know, maybe that game against Fairbanks two weeks ago that Friday maybe, but yep. shots 15-7 to seven in period number one. Outshot 11-8 in the second and outshooting Miami 12-5 in the third period for a 35-23 total. Miami does not score on the lone man advantage they had. Huskies go one for three on the power play. Scoring gets started. A nice, a good little kind of gritty play. This is a very Mason Salquist-esque type of goal. His first of the yep. season from Kyler Kupu and Joey Molinar, who had a great weekend as we'll really get to. Really nice speed also by Molinar on that goal. Yeah, but good hard forecheck F1 in uh, on the near or the far side corner, and they're able to essentially kick a puck out along the goal line into the middle of the ice in a nice little bang bang play for Mason Solquist first of the year. I like that. I mean, that's exactly the type of goal you would expect him to score in a game yep. like this. Um, that was at the 316 mark, got the Huskies off and rolling. We talked about how important it is for them to score first. Game was tied with about five minutes left in period number two, a, a goal from William Holland that no goaltender on the planet could do anything about. It was, a, that was, was a it was a redirect through a screen at the top of the circle, and I mean, goaltender didn't see it. In fact, both Miami goals today um, were both goals that the netminder did not see, and they were weird, fluky caroms and redirects. So, I mean, this easily could have been a 3 nothing contest. Vieti Mietnin, a seeing-eye shot through traffic, his fourth of the season from Dylan Anhorn and Josh Lidke right before the end of period number two. Uh, is a very nice shot. He had a, he had two of them on the weekend, and they were both wicked wristers. He's really utilizing that screen play in the middle of the Same. ice, utilizing those defenders. Brother Werner scores in the power play with just uh, over three minutes to play. His first of the year, first in a Husky that sweater. A nasty goal. Uh, had me reminded of Robbie yeah. Jackson, um, I believe, also against the same squad, if I remember, on the goal line. Yeah, short um, side high. It was short beautiful. side high. It was gorgeous. Um, you know, and, and for Huskies fans wondering, you know, because Werner, again, as you mentioned with Fargo, was known more of a distributor, more of a, you know, of a playmaker. Um, he can still shoot the puck. He kind of put it into a, a spot where, uh, let's just say, you got to have some confidence uh, to get it into a small area like they did. Granted, caught the goaltender kind of in between going down, uh, but you still got to have the gusto to get it up and over the shoulder, and there's not much room there. Um, and that goal, again, from that angle, too, even less um, to shoot at as well. 
Yeah, Jack Beard and Zach Okabe tally assists. And then uh, P.J. Fletcher with nine seconds left. This one was a weird little fluky floater, redirecty, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yeah. um, (laughs) So this makes us a one-goal contest. Other than that, though, Huskies look pretty good. They were 42 of 62 in the draw, much better in the faceoff dot. It's almost kind of funny how when you do well in the faceoff dot, things, you know, tend to even out there was no husky that was under 500 in fact mason salquist had 26 draw attempts in this hockey game he was 21 and five nuts on the face on friday um at one point in the third i think he was what 17 of 20 um you know just going off of you know the on-air statistics that we were kind of keeping track um and that is exactly what uh, the Huskies needed from him too. Uh, granted, you know, besides Mason Songquist, it's all freshmen down the middle, right? So, yeah. uh, big part of their early struggles, and we've talked about it, has been on the faceoff dot. Uh, Mason Solquist, he's out there for every important faceoff, especially in the defensive zone, offensive zone. You're trying to gain possession of the puck in the power play. Um, I'm not sure uh, you can have a, a much better night in between the draws than what Mason Solquist did on Friday. Yeah, for Miami, John Waldron 0 for 10, Matthew Barbellini 0 for 3. So not exactly the success rate you were looking for on the other side. One of the things that I noticed on Friday that carried over into Saturday, though, St. Cloud won defensemen much more calm in terms of walking the blue line and keeping plays alive in the offensive zone, able to establish cycle plays. I thought they were much more confident and poised with their ability to maintain possession of the puck, establishing cycle, keeping possession, able to keep plays alive. I was much more impressed finding shooting lanes uh, from the defensive side, you know, we talk so much about the forwards and how they have to score, but defensemen are a lot of the catalyst for keeping plays alive and keeping plays yep. in front of them and continuing to let the offensive guys do their job. I thought it was much better. We talked about shooting lanes in general over the past couple of weeks. It was much better over the course of the weekend. And I also would say on the other side, this is the first Miami team, albeit more on Friday, that seemed to have a little bit more defensive activation. Defensemen who are a little bit I more did. willing to make plays from up top you know, as opposed to trying to kind of muck and grind in the corners as Miami has been accustomed or forced to do in the past couple of years. So I thought activation for both forward and defense for Miami on the other side, especially on Friday, Saturday, much different score. Huskies improved to four to four, six, nothing was the final St. Cloud rewarded for their hard effort over the course of the weekend shots, 33, 15 in favor of the Huskies. St. Cloud was outshot seven, five in the first, and then they didn't look back 11, four and 17, four respectively over the final two frames nice. <laughs> face off wise, the Huskies, uh, they go 38 for 50 in the face off dot. Once again, one for three on the power play, killing off all three penalty kills. They had to face Joey Molinar, Patrick for him, the first of his career, first of the season for the Huskies. Uh, three really great goals, all different goals, too. You know, first one was a really nice uh, move that he had essentially forehand, backhand, forehand, upstairs, far side blocker to get the scoring started. Josh Lidke add one, adds one two minutes later. This is in the middle of the second period, by the way. So it took a while for the scoring to kind of get started. But then once the Huskies did, they didn't look back. Vietti Mietin and another seeing eye shot on the power play through traffic. His fifth of the season, Adam Ingram and Dylan Anhorn. This is all coming within a four-minute span. Just like that, Huskies up 3-0. They added three more in the third. Two from Molinar, Dylan Anhorn, Mason Salquist, Kyler Kupka telling assists. Mason Salquist had a two-assist period, actually, also assisting on Jack Peart's first of the year. A nice little five-hole shot there. Grant Deshaun nice. also had a, had a helper as well. Um 
Dominic Bassey saw all 15 that he faced had a good weekend overall, I would say. Probably could have had back-to-back ones if you want to be technical about it, just the way that he played. Both the goals that beat him Friday were, you know, goals that he didn't really have much of a chance on. No Husky was under 500 by any stretch of the imagination in the face-off dot as well, too. So don't know if the lineup card is starting to shake out a little bit better. Don't know if this Miami team maybe started to show a little bit less invincibility than maybe we expected. Overall, great weekend for the Huskies. Attendance of 32-77 on that Saturday night. It was a much-needed weekend for St. Cloud. A great start in conference play. A lot of much better things from this squad. I got to imagine, even though coaches are never satisfied, if you're Brett Larson and company, you have to be breathing a small sigh of relief knowing that it felt like this team was on track. They put together a complete 60-minute effort, and they're going to carry some momentum heading into the following weekend. And I think for Brett Larson, you know, with the struggles they had of early, you know, the confidence that you get from this weekend, right? I think that's yeah. super important, right? Especially for uh, a lineup, as you mentioned, a lot of underclassmen, a lot of freshmen in, shall I say, big roles in the Division One level, right? So I think sometimes it just comes down to just being confident about your ability to make a play on the ice. Uh, you mentioned defense stepping up in the offensive zone. Noah, the one thing I noticed was their gap control uh, yep. coming through the middle of the ice to a lot closer. Um, and, you know, we talked about this in the past defenseman, like a Nick Perbix who could read the play coming up the ice towards them, knew when to step up and felt confident that they could step up. And even though maybe, you know, you miss a puck or whatnot, you had help coming back through the middle lane. You had your you know, defensive partner also covering for you. I felt like the Huskies were just a lot more in sync when the play was coming back at them and really disrupting Miami on the rush going into their own zone. And that's something that is a hallmark of a Brett Larson defense. And really, for the first time this season, really saw that it really made a difference. It really thought that as the five-man unit uh, through the middle of the ice, they played one of their best weekends in hockey despite the scoring. So I really, something that jumped up to me, not sure if that's what you saw as well. Yeah, would agree. Like I like that point that you made where it talked about regardless of the scoring, and I felt like the process was right. The fundamentals yes. were right this weekend, and that's kind of what we were harping on is it wasn't necessarily the fact that St. Cloud was losing games because as Brett Larson alluded to, and I don't know if we were a little hard on them two weeks ago, but you know, he talked about, he goes, we were two bounces away in a couple of overtime games from being, you know, on the right side of 500 entering conference play. I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, they got their doors blown off necessarily in any of these games, but they just weren't playing the right way. They weren't executing. They weren't putting together complete hockey games. And I think Brett would agree with that. I mean, yep. it was, it was, it was time to clean things up. If you want to be technical about it, um, Miami, who was in like the top five or six in the pairwise has dropped to 31, uh, St. Cloud, who was in the mid-40s, has now moved up to 23. So, I mean, you can tell how important the weekend was, uh, depending on how we go throughout the year. Colorado College is right next to the Huskies, by the way, after their weekend. So, um, um, Denver's at number two in the country, if you want to be um, a little kinder to the Tigers that we alluded to earlier. But yeah. I'm curious to see what the polls say as we move through the next week. I don't I don't know where St. Cloud's going to be. I don't think they've maybe earned that spot in the top 20 as of yet. No, um, but, but it, it was certainly a much better weekend. So like we said, they improved to four and four overall undefeated in conference play um, four and three now when scoring first. So again, inching closer and closer to that margin. They're now 500, two and two in one goal contest, um, three and two at home. Uh, again, still early, a lot of things to kind of sort through more importantly, 
22.2% on the power play. That's more than serviceable. 82.8% on the PK. That's that's all right. You know, I, I mean, yeah. you continue to try to build on that. You can always be stronger in both areas. But penalty kills the bigger one. You know, I, I think if you have if you have an unproductive power play, I mean, it can be momentum killing. But I think St. Cloud, historically, their power play has been good enough, if not exceptional at times, where they've been able to generate offense. I think if your penalty kill is locking things down, you feel a little bit better about special teams. So um, penalty <laughs> kill-wise, they're doing all right. They are now plus two as far as goal differential over the course of the season, 23 to 21 respectively, out shooting their opponent by 53 uh, in the aggregate, so to speak. So St. Cloud getting back on track a little bit. I think that 6 nothing win, uh, as much as you talked about how close hockey games are really good for a lot of teams, St. Cloud's been in a lot of them early. So I think to maybe have one that they start to run away with and they could kind of lock down the fort and you know get a couple of guys some confidence, some pucks in the net, have to make them feel you know, a little bit better. So, um, yeah, hundred percent, you know, and you've got, uh, Vietti Mianton leading the scoring. He's got nine points on the season. Dylan Anhorn has eight, uh, you know, a guy that we hoped would continue to flourish. This has been Vietti's best season by far. Um, you know, no doubt about it. He's kind of returning to his scoring touch form of his freshman season, which is a wild thing to say, but he's yep. making it, he's making it look easy. He's finding these quiet areas in the ice. He's shooting through traffic. He's finding these shooting lanes. It's been well, deserve for him dylan anhorn just keep the man healthy <laughs> that's all i have to say about that kyler kuka and joey molinar and adam ingram round out your top five mason Solquist sitting at six by the way too so i think yeah. he's had a great junior year as well too so joey molinar i've been really impressed of course he had a hat trick to kind of double his point total so to speak but a great start for him uh and then dominic bassi exactly 900 now in the save percentage category at 244 goals again so um, you hope that levels out in the aggregate. But the Huskies, they get ready for Western Michigan this upcoming weekend. They are on the road in Kalamazoo against a team who played a very good series against the Omaha Mavericks. Nick, if you're St. Cloud, what'd you like from the weekend? What do you pull from the weekend? And if you head to the raucous, raucous uh, loss in lunatic area, um, what do you need to clean up to make sure they don't take advantage on the road? Uh, one... Let's start with the 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 good takeaways, right? Uh, one, you put together back to back better performances, right? The consistency was there. Um, again, overall in both ends of the ice, uh, things were clicking. Uh, again, it sounds like the 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 lineup chart started to kind of take shape a bit. The only difference was uh, Jack Rogers and Nick Ports being switched out. They were both the healthy scratches Friday and Saturday, respectively. Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, my big thing is Dominic Bass. He also looked a lot more comfortable. Um, we talked, uh, I was talking to a couple of, um, actually some scouts before the game on Friday. And, uh, we both sort of thought, you know, with Bassey, it's like he's six foot six, right? Some of the goals that have gone in that, you know, we would argue as hockey people, he should have stopped. It feels like he was kind of almost in between a decision, right? Where he's almost overthinking it a little bit. Um, to me, he felt like he was a little bit more pointed in his decision making, a little bit more, um, shall we say, on top of the crease, um, not necessarily worrying about what was around him, but just being square to the shot, almost simplifying his approach. And uh, you could definitely say that against Miami, right? 
we talked about the two goals on Friday, uh, the deflection in Friday. That's that's going to score in any NHL goaltender too as well. That was a nasty tip, and then just a fluttering kind of a pinball puck that that was essentially within the last what three to four seconds of the hockey game um, on Friday night. So I can't really fault him for those two. Um, so that's a positive, right? Um, your power play looked okay. Um, their power play unit one, the only from me, because I'm not a hockey coach, but I t- pretend to be one at times, um, all left-handed shots. So you kind of wonder what Brett Larson will do to try to keep, shall we say, the power play a bit not predictable. Yeah, you, you, you know where the pass is going. It's going, yeah, to, the right, exactly. it's going to the right side of the ice. I mean, it's, for, for VD, right? So, yeah. um, you know, we'll be curious to see as the season moves along, you know, how, what can they do to sort of keep uh, other teams on edge? Because with VD's shot, again, he's using the screens well. Um, he's actually digging out pucks on battles a lot better this year. That's something that uh, I know we've been sort of critical on him in years past. Um, and then just making the right decision with the puck. Um, two defensively, right? Um, only gave up two goals on the weekend. Felt like um, as a five-man unit, you're a lot more comfortable in your structure. Um, good, efficient breakouts. Um, the D-men, from even from Jack Peer to... Uh, Oh, geez, so am I missing? Mason Reiners, I thought, looked really good this weekend as well, using their feet to get out of the zone when there was no passing options available. So a lot of things, good, good things rolling. Now, Western Michigan, right? Uh, they have a very unique combination of uh, brute strength and skill. Um, uh, Western Michigan is kind of a wild card. Um, we saw that with the, uh, with the Mavericks, right? Uh, you can contain them a bit, uh, but you're going to come out of there, you know, it's you're going to feel it against the Broncos, right? So uh, to me, take what you did well with Miami, right? Clean exits, get in, establish your forecheck in your cycle. And uh, like Mason Salkwist's first goal on Friday, you're going to have to get down and dirty into that blue paint of Western Michigan. I think that's one area where if you can sort of rise the physical battle challenge, you're going to be with this team. You know, I'm not saying you're going to take it to them, but you got to at least be able to answer the bell and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's how you have to approach this weekend. No, I would be curious to your thoughts. Yeah. Um, first of all, love the breakout of Joey Molinar, by the way. What a journey he's had and continue yeah. to see him evolve. Um, great goaltending, by the way, on Friday night from both goaltenders, by the way, but a couple of really good looks for St. Cloud that they probably could have talked a couple early in that hockey game couple of really great a saves in the other side so that tells me a lot it tells me that they're able to get to the middle of the ice they're able to create opportunities they've had good looks on the power play as well too where they're able to create options so special teams could be a factor like you said staying out of the extracurriculars being physical but not being over the line seeing if you can win that special teams battle i think is going to be important for this group um and again continuing to see the defensive structure continue to evolve i thought it was like you said a much better weekend for the defensemen as well too just feeling more comfortable in their own process from tip to tail from getting out of the zone retrieving pucks first pass zone exits to being able to hold the line, be able to pinch when appropriate, be able to back up when appropriate. I thought a lot of the younger guys on the back end too look a little bit more comfortable. Um, I like the lineup card this weekend. It certainly seemed to have good rhythm, good results. So um, all in all, a week off previously that was well thought out, well planned. It's going to be curious to see how these freshmen, these young players respond to an environment like Lawson. We had Omaha and Western Michigan picked at three and four respectively. Um, 
they played like it last weekend. Two teams that both have yep. a chance for home ice. It's such an advantage in Kalamazoo to have home ice in that building. So St. Cloud's going to get a taste of it. It's going to be a good conference road test early, and it should be a lot of fun. So, uh, Nick, I can't wait for it. I was really happy as we were going through. Of course, I was working both nights, but got to watch the games on replay. And uh, both the scores indicated to me just a sigh of relief. I think as yep. a Huskies fan, you just felt, okay, they played the right way. They got both the results they needed, which sometimes even if you don't play the right way, you'll take a result that goes your way. I mean, it's sometimes you yep. have a night like that and then you kind of reevaluate, but you felt good about the entire process over the course of 120 minutes. Now can they carry it into yep. a road weekend, into a conference weekend against an opponent that uh, clawed tooth and nail for all four points they got in the conference. They are looking to vault St. Cloud in the standings. Huskies looking to keep the Western Michigan Broncos below them uh, as far as the NCHC conference is concerned. Nick, anything else we want to add on the men's or women's side? Women are off this week. Do not forget yep. back in action against St. Thomas in two weeks. Men have uh, Western Michigan. Like you said, a uh, home and home with St. Thomas too. the women do um, down in St. Paul Friday before going back to the herb on Saturday. Um, again, on paper, it should be a matchup that the Huskies are favored in. Uh, but like you said, I think now the, the question for, uh, the Huskies is now going back on the road, right? Last time you were away from the Herb, you got swept down in Mankato, right? So we, as we talked with the women, sour taste, I would imagine there's still a little bit of a chip on the shoulder with the Huskies players when they are, are away from the Herb, right? And I think they have to carry that attitude into Kalamazoo. Again, it's, it's a fine line between playing with emotion and playing reckless. And you have to play with emotion and loss. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great crowd. It's a raucous crowd. Um, and as you mentioned, it's going to be a test, especially for these young kids going into an the wheel building. That's going to be raucous. It's going to be loud. It's going to be the enemy territory type of, you know, shall we say trial by fire. Uh, but you got to be able to sort of put it behind you and play your game. And again, this is the test, the consistency aspect. Now, now that we've shown this is what the Huskies are capable of. Can they take that over the course of back-to-back -back weekends and show that this wasn't a fluke and that this is the way this Husky teams can play up to this level? Because if they do, as we see, they're competitive against any team. Yeah, week of rest for the women. One of the most challenging buildings and a building that has not been kind to St. Cloud on the men's side is where they travel to Western Michigan on the men's side. We're here to cover it as always. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. One-timer coming, they score! She scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.